You're listening to Arc Radio Podcast. And we have with us, uh, as every day, alhamdulillah, our guest, uh, Sheikh Rizwan Muhammad. Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. The status of people close to God, like the Prophet, was a complete openness to God and awareness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and dhikr constantly of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is, in fact, um, one of the, 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 the most deadly sins and spiritual diseases is ghafla of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Imam Junaid considered it to be one of the worst or the worst, the source of all spiritual diseases um, and the only way to remove it was to enter into a dhikr uh, other scholars mentioned to be in a state of closeness to uh, men and women who are close to God who removed that ghafla because when you see them uh, you, you exit the state of ghafla because you see a person who is exactly like yourself flesh and bones but they're not in a state of ghafla and you're amazed by that person mm. like the companions of the Prophet we were in a state of ghafla uh, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala before the Prophet came and when he came they were amazed by a person who could constantly uh, in a state of remembrance of God and in the company of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in every single moment of his life and they were they were actually jealous of that and this is one of the things about people that are close to God is people will be jealous of their proximity to God and their special status in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and because we know these people exist you all you have to you have to strive and try to emulate um, some of these qualities because we know that that is far more um, precious than than worldly wealth mm. because you know people that have worldly wealth they give it away you know the famous people on earth now who have billions I mean we're talking about hundreds of billions and um, they find out that they, they can't eat it they can't consume it so they just give mm. it away in charity or set up endowments whether it's for a worldly benefit or not uh, they still see that it's limited and what they see that abides is your 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 character and your awareness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for ourselves as Muslims that's what we say is what we remember about people when they pass away is their closeness to God and how they help the orphans and help the, the needy and Ramadan if it does anything you still um, restrict your food intake so that you remove your, your body desires and you increase the spiritual desires that you have so at least you're on that path where you're doing something that people if you ask them in this, if you go into the street and say well we fast for 18, 19 hours no food, no water as well they'll be shocked how can you actually do that that you can, you can taste the sweetness of water um, and for a lot of people that they drink water all their lives and they haven't tasted the sweetness of water because it's come like, become like something that they never appreciate just think of mm, that in Ramadan mm. if you're saying you don't feel the, the presence of, of Ramadan you feel mm. when you break the fast mm. because you do have this intense gratitude to God that you have a physical you know kind of body which is able to take to very simple sugars and water and to benefit from them and you see how the body just become, becomes alive after just a couple of dates in a glass of water mm. and so you then realize that your body is doesn't need what you what you think it needs. Mm-hmm. The body can survive in a, a very little, and it's only when we see that in ourselves. But we see in other people that we find that the, that we aspire to that. And the companions of the Prophet saw the Prophet fasting continuously. Um, you know, al wisal which is constant fasting, day and night, one day after another. They wanted to copy the Prophet Sallallahu and they and the Prophet didn't stop them. But he said, okay, he he fasted and they fasted and he fasted and they fasted. And then the Prophet fa- broke his fast to because he saw that the weakness that they were the companions were in, 
and he says that you will not be able to fast in the way that I fast. And that's not the, the point is not that, but the point is how did he fast in that way? Hmm. He says, Because you are human beings and I'm a human being, but I have a special status with God in, within which I my nights are spent with Allah in his worship. And that, in, in other words, the source of his power was the worship of God. Uh, he gives me food and drink. Now that food and drink wasn't the Allah was giving him, giving him, you know, downloaded some kind of nourishment from the sky straight into his veins. It was the fact that the physical form of <coughs> sugar and water wasn't required to sustain the Prophet in the way that it's required for us. And that's mm. that. When you go into a state of, of, of awareness of God, which is the opposite of ghafla and heedlessness, then you start to, you know, the power that you have is, is, is magnified. That's why a lot of people they talk about the fact that in Ramadan, like if you're a doctor or a surgeon, your ability to think actually is is magnified. And so she, so he, heedlessness, ghafla, mm. is a direct result of something that we do or we don't, or is it again something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is destined for us to have ghafla? Sorry, I didn't get the... The, 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 the ghafla, uh, is it uh-huh. because of something we do or we don't do? Or is it because we are just programmed to be in a state of ghafla all the time until we do something to remove that state? I think you are you're born in a state of awareness because even Abu Hanifa rahmatullahi he says Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created human beings free from belief and disbelief. Hmm. And then he gave them this quality of fitra, which is awareness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Fitratullah fitratullah This is the fitra that Allah so, so, the, so the whole journey is to be aware of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala It's to keep the awareness of God which you've been given when you're born um, The moment that you start to think You're told to reaffirm that fitra So this, aware, this, this creation that you've been created within And the status that you have You're told to protect that and preserve it and nurture it Through your life, through mm-hmm. dhikr And if you do that then you remain in a state of fitra Where everything that is good you see as good and everything that's bad you see as bad naturally mm-hmm. through your inclinations so to be able but to see things it, as, 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 as they are yeah, so some of the scholars they say oh Allah give us the tawfiq to arina al-ashya kama hiya allow us to see things as they really are mm. in other words the way that good is being good and allow us to like the Prophet said show us the good is being good and allow us to follow and show us the bad as being bad and allow us to step aside from it now that means that sometimes a lot of things that are, are good, we don't see as good. Mm-hmm. And this is in human societies, that's obvious. And then things that are evil or bad for human beings, we don't see as being bad or evil for human beings. And we allow them. And then all of a sudden when the, when the, when the, when the fallout comes from that and, and the effects of those th- actions appear in our societies, it's only then that we realize, yes, this wasn't really what we are created for. We are not created out of a, a, an act of futility from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the proof of that in terms of ghafla is the Prophet ﷺ came to the companions and he removed the ghafla from him by his companionship. And this is why, if you, th- if you want to know why the companions are so special and why they were all blessed with, with a very high station in front of God, every single one of them, is because the Prophet came to remove the ghafla that the, 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 the Arabs at the time had and by them he would send out people to all over the earth who would remove ghafla from human beings. Mm. So to make them aware of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you know, the person the way that you remove ghafla, the scholars always con- congregate on this one point, which is ghafla, which is a, the source of spiritual diseases, is removed by companionship with people that don't have ghafla. 
Mm-hmm. And remember who, who the companions, they're called the companions of Sahaba. Why are they called companions and Sahaba? Because they kept company with a person who was in the proximity of God, through whom, through whom they removed their ghafla. Mm-hmm. And that's why they're special. If you want to know why these companions were special, is that that's the group of people whose ghafla was removed by being in the presence of the person that was closest to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm-hmm. So Muhammad, Ahmad, Al Mahi, Al Hashir, Al Aqib. ਕਲਾਮ ਲੂਲੂ ਵਿੱਚ ਸ਼ੌਕ ਚੰਗੇਰੀਏ ਅਜ ਨੈਨਾ ਲਾਈਆਂ ਕਿਉਂ ਚੜੀਆਂ ਮੁਖ ਚੰਦ ਬਦਰ ਸ਼ਾਸ਼ਾਨੀਏ ਮੱਥੇ ਚਮਕੇ ਲਾਟ ਨੁਰਾਨੀਏ ਕਾਲੀ ਜ਼ੁਲਫ ਤੇ ਅਖ ਮਸਤਾਨੀਏ ਮਖਮੂਰ ਅਖੀ ਹਨ ਮਦ ਭਰੀਆਂ ਇਸ ਸੂਰਤ ਨੂੰ ਮੈਂ ਜਾਨ ਆਖਾਂ ਜਾਨ ਆਖਾਂ ਜਾਨੇ ਜਹਾਨ ਆਖਾਂ ਸੱਚ ਆਖਾਂ ਤੇ ਰੱਬ ਦੀ ਮੈਂ ਸ਼ਾਨ ਆਖਾਂ ਜਿਸ ਸ਼ਾਨ ਤੋਂ ਸ਼ਾਨਾ ਸਭ ਬਨੀਆਂ ਸੋ one of his most famous poems that he wrote uh, towards the end of his life and he's he's questioning himself about why he's in a, a very strange spiritual situation state he's he's overcome by this extreme um, state of awareness of of, of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and he's saying why his basic idea is why we yearn why is this strong yearning i have for the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam so strong today of all days mm. you know for some reason he's a person who studied the prophet's life and the quran and the sunnah of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam but for some reason he finds this thing which in arabic is called a warid which is almost like it's a divine um, gift from god which 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 comes from no action that you were talking about ramadan we're mm. not feeling the expect effects of ramadan you feel it god sends you the thing through which all of a sudden he's overcome by this quality and he says why is my heart sadder today than it's ever been before why is it mm-hmm. sad because you're 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 distant from the the beloved the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam like anas ibn malik radiyallahu anhu said that the most the darkest day that we saw and the most um, sorrowful day that we saw was the day the prophet left his 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 life uh, as we see it on, on earth and the most enlightened day uh, was the day that he entered into the city of medina munawwara and that is the state of believers that they if they, if they're distant from the prophet for a second and the the sunnah is distant from them for even a second and the, the teachings of him are distant for even a second they are sad and their hearts are sad and they long for the prophet and he says why long how, how he says why does longing penetrate every tissue of mine like mm. every single cell in his body has a longing not just his mind not just his heart which we would say okay i understand he's missing the mention of the prophet or his heart is sad he's saying something poetic and this is what poetry is all about is to say why is every single tissue of my body um longing for the prophet and why are my eyes shedding tears uh, like a shower of rain almost that's what mm. he's saying mm-hmm. like his tears are such that they are just like a tap which is flowing without any reason and that is a quality of people like bilal radiyallahu anhu habashi when the prophet passed he ran from the city of medina munawwara to asham because he could not control his weeping and he could only have some sort of semblance of normal life because he tried to forget that purity and the beauty of being around the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam being the, the the he was the right hand man of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam bilal al-habashi radiyallahu anhu who's a, who's a black ethiopian slave raised to the status of being the person who would be right next to the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam at every place that he went who was mm-hmm. a person who was allowed by the prophet to climb up to the kaaba which is the most blessed building that we have in our faith to give the adhan in front of the meccans who were persecuting him just 10 years before 
that's why we, you know, think of this amazing person. And he goes on to say, talks about the face of the Prophet and like the full mm-hmm. moon, which is again in the narration of Abu Huraira and Anas ibn Malik and Jabir ibn Abdullah. The description of the Prophet is the full moon is what is pulling him towards the Prophet. And he says, a radiant brow, light is, is, is shining from the brow of the Prophet, the eyebrow of the Prophet. So all of us, it's almost as if he has seen the Prophet in his dream. And now he's trying to describe this to us in one of the most por- probably the most famous poet- poems from the northern parts of yeah. um, you know Pakistan the northern northwest frontier yeah. uh, and he descri- he goes on to describe the most amazing you know, the way they contrast the black here of the Prophet and his eyes which he describes as being bewitching and intoxicated which mm. is mm. the description of the Prophet's presence in front of in front of Allah where he forgets everything except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it's like Bilal radiallahu anhu said that the Prophet used to sit with us and speak with us, uh, and when the when the adhan went, it was as if it's as if he didn't know us, we didn't know him. That was his state of intoxication or in the presence of God that he wanted to pray. So he, when he, the Prophet was 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 uh, afflicted with sorrow, he would say to Bilal, "Arihna biha ya Bilal." Mm. Well, Bilal, show us some tranquility, meaning do the adhan. We didn't say do the adhan. Mm-hmm. You establish the prayer. He would say, Arihna biha ya Bilal. You know, allow us to rest, Bilal. Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. knew it right away. Bilal radiallahu knew, I know what the Prophet means here. He doesn't mean get me a, a cold drink. He doesn't mean, mm-hmm. you know, let's go out for a walk. He meant the prayer. The Prophet said three things were beloved to me. The most important of those was sweetness and coolness of my eye. And coolness of eye in a, in a Desert country is probably the most important thing you can get: the sand and, and the dust in your eyes. To have tranquility of eyesight, to be mm. calm and collected in front of Allah. You know, this is. I mean, this is why these yeah. people are. You know. This last bit. How would you explain that? He's basically describing the Prophet as being a, a, a fig. You know, almost like a, this is perfection of of humanity in this mm. physical form. The Prophet mm. And he says, then what, what can you say about the most perfect creator who created this most perfect quality of the Prophet So in fact, what you're doing is when you're realizing the Prophet and his physical qualities and his names and his attributes and his mannerisms and his characteristics, you are, are besought by that beauty. Mm. And the only thing you can think of is what can be the majesty of the one that created this, this, this human being. Just think of that. That is, if we can adore this person and the, his perfection of human hum, humanity on earth then what can we say about the glory of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from which all other he basically says from which all other worldly um, beauties or glories come out of you know, that is you know a poetic license but the most perfect poetic license Sheikh um, we were kind of um, reflecting on this poem and uh, the Prophet Sallam's Shumail, I would say, that uh, been highlighted there as well in a way. Um, how he looked, what, uh, how, if you know him through what, how he looked, uh, the, the feelings you will have and um, the, the situation you'll find yourself in, uh, in terms of your heart. And then we move on to, inshallah, what we were discussing yesterday, the third name of Prophet Sallallahu we discussed after Muhammad, Ahmad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Mahi, which is the eraser. And we just 
caught kind of the last bit of it uh, and it was iftar time yesterday if you can continue with that mahi the one who erases the one who um, is responsible for erasing anything which is not godly on this earth a number of hadith and at least related by at least 10 companions of prophet so it's one of these hadith that are close to being mutawatir uh, uh, the Prophet said that he has names amongst him Muhammad, Ahmad, Al-Mahi And the hadith comes with a description الذي يمه الله به أو به الكفر Which means either through whom Allah um, erases kufr Or th- through me Allah erases kufr So the Prophet is either referring to himself or somebody else Explained what mahi means So mahi and mahu is in Arabic is to, is to, is to erase something In fact Thinking about the, the one of the du'as of Umar radiallahu anhu when he used to go do the tawaf of the Kaaba, is that he used to pray, pray to Allah, if you have written me as shaqi faktubni sa'idhan. If you have written me as being a person destined for, for hellfire, oh Allah, erase that and mahi, in other words, to efface it and to erase it and to remove any sign of that, and write me down as a person destined for for paradise and, and um, the pleasure of God. So al-mahi here is a person who erases something, but the thing that's erased is everything that stands in the path of belief in God. And that meant that the Prophet came with such proofs in the Qur'an and such um, miracles through the Qur'anic text primarily, through which nobody had any reason to reject their belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I was mentioning yesterday that one of, one of the things about this name is that it's actually a name that is is forced upon the community as well, the Ummah, to take on and to try and emulate the Prophet mm-hmm. in that. Uh, and, and Mahu has to be understood correctly. Mahu isn't to obliterate. Mm-hmm. It's not, we're not talking about um, Nagasaki, Hiroshima. Mm-hmm. We're not talking mm-hmm. about this kind of Mahu as being an obliteration. It was, it's a name that relates to the fact that nobody would have a reason by which to d- refuse that God exists. So nobody on the face of this earth could have an, a logical so it's, it's argument. It's more of an intellectual exercise, is it? Or it, it may, maybe not even just intellectual. It's, it's an em- exercise of gaining empathy. Yeah, I mean, this is not understood. There's another name, which is the name of the Prophet, um, Nabi al-Malahim, which is actually the prophet of battle. And it's a name of the Prophet, and if you come to that, we'll come to explain mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. That's a different aspect. It's not a denied aspect of the Prophet that he was a prophet that was given um, the the prerogative to use, um, you know, to defend himself and his community through what people call now just war. Um, even mm-hmm. in, Euro- in Europe, the theory of just war, ethical war, was stolen from the Muslims. Basically, the fact that you have laws of war, that you have laws of engagement, you have laws of, of taking prisoners and treating them well. That was all taken from the Prophet mm. So even in that name of majesty, which is the name of the Prophet um, Nabil Malahim, the Prophet of, of, of battles, even within that, because he's the Prophet of battles, then he will tell you how to, how to um, conduct yourself within battle. And if you, if you look at what he said, this is far superior to any kind of um, conception, even modern conception of warfare, and because the Prophet would never allow weapons of mass destruction. He would never allow um, weapons that would indiscriminately kill people. He would not allow people being indiscriminately killed without due process, etc., uh, etc. Et In other words, this was set as a basic um, tenant and principle of, of, of engagement with, with an enemy, that these things were out of bounds, that he would not attack children, women, uh, elderly people. He would not cut down trees. He would not 
um, allow animals to be killed. He would not kill people indiscriminately. He would not kill people that were uh, within monasteries or, or you know, Jewish places of worship. All these things were complete no-goes, completely. In other words, to kill innocents was something the Prophet never um, engaged in at all, and he, and he forbade it. In fact, Usama ibn Zayd, radiyallahu anhu, he, when he came to the Prophet and said, I, I ask somebody, uh, and they said, La ilaha illallah, and the Prophet said, did you kill him? And he said, he only did that to, out of fear of death. And the Prophet did you, Hal min qalbihi? He said, did you open his heart up and check? And Usama ibn Zayd, who's actually considered to be the closest and the most beloved young man to the Prophet at the time, he said the Prophet continued to say that until I wished that I had not be, become Muslim until that day. Mm-hmm. Now think of that. Who's this we're talking about? Usama ibn Zayd ibn, ibn Haritha radiallahu anhu, who's the, who's the son of, the, who, who used to be the adopted son of the Prophet He was so beloved to the, to the Prophet that Umar radiallahu anhu, after um, the death of the Prophet used to give him twice what he used to give to his own son Ibn Umar mm. as uh, from the treasury and, and Ibn Umar went to his dad and he said dad look I'm the same age as him and why are you giving him twice the amount and he says because he was more beloved to you uh, he was more beloved to the Prophet than you are and his father was more beloved to the Prophet than I was mm. and argue with that the Prophet gave him and despite that when he did that action of, 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 of killing somebody without due process, the Prophet questioned him so much that he wanted that he had not become Muslim until the day that he questioned him because it's as if everything that he'd done before that was obliterated. So Al-Mahi is a name which, which, which is there specifically to remove any excuse that people have to disbelieve in God. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't actually engage in this idea that there's some kind of force or coercion within this. This is the fact that you will have no proof in front of God in the Day of Judgment if you say that a prophet was not sent to us or the, the proofs were not made clear to us. Hmm. So this is a very special name of the Prophet Sallallahu This is so special that it's mentioned within the hadith of you know, Imam Malik and all the, all the, all the other narrations, Sahih narrations of the names of the Prophet Sallallahu because you do have hadith that mention the names um, up to 10 sometimes in some hadith. But this is specially mentioned in all the, the most authentic narrations. Al-Mahi alladhi yamhullahu bi kufur and then the Prophet says uh, almost completing the picture that I am also Al-Hashir and Al-Hashir, uh, the translation I don't know what translation you have but I would translate it as Al-Hashir would be the one who um, raises up people or resurrects people or the person around whom people are resurrected on the day of judgment in fact the hadith it comes from Hashir uh, Hashir is the day of the, rising the last day yeah, Yom al-Hashr is basically the day of you wake up. In fact, it's interesting. It's 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 Hashr means to be to crawl out of your grave. Mm. It's to be resurrected and almost like you always watch all these movies. You see people crawling out of their graves, almost coming out. It's, uh, that's Hashr, and this is you know, in, in, in Urdu it's like um, you see someone's Hashr means you you wait for his bad ending. Yes, that's a secondary meaning. So okay. Hashar is it's almost as if it's used here, but there's a connection because it says, "Look at his Hashar." That's what they say in Urdu, mm, don't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So basically, meaning, let's see what happens when it's all when it all becomes clear. Yeah. And when does that happen in the Day of Judgment when everybody is buried? Now they're brought up, and what you thought a person was, they're no longer that. Mm-hmm. Remember the Hadith of Muslim, in which he talks about a person who recites the Quran and day and night. 
and the person who gives a charity day and night, the person who teaches day and night. And Allah asked, asked the angels to ask the person, why did you spend? Um, why did you fight in, in the path of God? And the person says, to, to raise your flag, O God. And the Prophet says that Allah says to the person, كذبت ولكن قتلت لأن يقال أنك جريء but you fought so people would say you're brave and it's been said and through and these and the angels are ordered to take, take him into hellfire and throw him there that's your hash because in the, in the, we would see that person being brave and the person's giving charity we would see that person being generous but Allah will say why did you give charity to mm-hmm. to to help people in your name of Allah and Allah will say you you lied so that's your hashar that's why they use it in Urdu and even Turkish to use it in, in the term in, in sense of that's the day with everything you will get your just desserts as, as they say in English mm-hmm. so but, but here the, it means the, the shade is more of a bad ending um, well, in, in my yes opinion. because it's always it's almost as if you, you you're getting away with what you're get, doing and your 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 judgment will be on when you when your hashar happens when your resurrection happens okay so it's like tawfiq tawfiq in arabic means good it's a good meaning which means that you're doing what god wants you to do mm-hmm. but in arabic in pure arabic it just means that you're doing what god has written for you to do whether it's good or bad mm-hmm. when, when your actions it, are in sync with allah allah's yes, will yes so that's a good meaning which means god wants you to have tawfiq to pray to fast to give charity to be good to your neighbors that is tawfiq as okay. we used to, but in Arabic, just in the dictionary ter- term, if you um, do anything which is known by God, that's tawfiq, which is, means that you're doing what God knows you're going to do. But mm. that's a negative meaning. So hashar here, when you say hashar in a lot of our languages, what they mean is a bad meaning, which is that on that day, everything's going to be clear. You come at your grave and you're standing in front of God and you'll be questioned. But the interesting thing about this name, al-hashir, Prophet is the gatherer. It's the fact that he will be the person around whom everybody and this is again this is a hadith this is sahih as you can get us hadith to be sahih mm. Imam Malik finishes Muatla off with this hadith mm. I am the person who will gather uh, because you would think that hashir is Allah because mm-hmm. the one that will who will cause things to come people out of the graves it'll be Allah subhanahu will Allah not bring everybody together and gather everybody but here the problem is described as he is the one that will bring people together and gather them around whom um, or the translation could be around who, whose feet ala qadami people will be gathered now that is that is that is just a amazing description of, of the theme of the prophet in the eyes of god and that people will be resurrected in in jannat al and all over the world and, and the people will be will run towards the Prophet uh, because he will gather them because why will he gather them think of this hadith and think of why it makes any sense because hmm. a lot of people say you, you, you people respect the Prophet too much if you just understand this hadith you will see that on the day of judgment people will, will almost like a magnet the Prophet hmm. will be a magnet even though he's not uh, looking for that he'll become a magnet for people because people will be running from one person to another one prophet to another and they will dissipate from them and he will be the person around whom they gather and they will, he will be the person around whom they beseech him to do intercession for human beings and humanity and insan and jinn to speed up the, um, the the judgment itself in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so the Prophet is Al-Hashir Al-Yahshir Al-Nasa Qadami Qadami can also mean at the time of that, that means that the Prophet is the final prophet, and the Hashir will take take place at his time. In other words, there will be no prophet after the Prophet that he will be 
the person at the end of time around whom people will be brought together and also the feet of the Prophet the, the hadith literally means around the feet of the Prophet it's almost as if it's a sign of respect for the Prophet because that's why you know, you look at Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu asked to be buried in the in the in the room of Aisha next to the Prophet. You look at Umar radiallahu anhu asked to be buried um, next to the 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 um the grave of the Prophet next to Abu Bakr his feet. At the Prophet's feet. If you look at how the 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 resting place of Abu Bakr, Umar and Sayyidina Muhammad is, they are at lower down and then they're at the feet of the Prophet. And that is an amazing thing because we know from many authentic hadith the Prophet said whoever is able to die in Medina then let them die in Medina for whoever dies in Medina said by Imam Ahmad and others mm. Sahih hadith that whoever dies in the city of Medina Manawara, I will intercede for them on the, on the day of judgment and this is why you find people you know when people go on Hajj or Umrah there is always a per- every single person has a feeling a second split moment that they say oh, Allah take my soul in this city because there's no, nothing more tranquil than the city of the Prophet this is why Sheikh you know, the companions came, and be back. came to die there inshallah um, this also is, is, is a hadith part of the hadith which actually is narrated um, with, an, uh, with an extra wording which is uh, or after whom there is no prophet or after whom there is no prophet after me so either the Prophet is saying it himself or somebody is explaining it. But it actually is related to Hashar, Yahshar al-Nas ala Qadami. Because Hashar, one of the meanings of Hashar is the fact that the Prophet was the final Prophet to be. And people would gather to await um, the final um, judgment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why people congregated, because he was the final Prophet. And people would congregate around the Prophet Ali salatu wasalam. And they would want to be in the proximity of the Prophet and they would want to die and be resurrected in the company of the Prophet because he was Al-Aqib, the final Prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, it also relates to this meaning of Khatam and Nabiyyin, which is uh, the final Prophet. Khatam means the seal of the Prophet, or Khatim, which means the, the final Prophet. So Aqib is actually related to that concept of finality, but it actually is, goes back to this issue of Hashar, which is the fact that people's um, for me actually I understand it as being the fact that the Prophet is the one that defines for you what is good goodness and, and, and evil what is to be desired and what's not to be desired because people always you find this all the time when I teach sometimes you find people that their own opinion of what should be good and bad what should be acceptable not takes precedence over, over sometimes the Quran and the Prophet even though it, sometimes it's quite clear because um, you know, when the companions of the Prophet they used to make a decision. Sometimes the Prophet would tell them to do something else, and they would not realize that they, they were wrong. So, you know, in terms of Hashir, there was a. Mm. In, in Imam Malik relates a, a hadith in which the Prophet was passing by um, a person, a gentle baqi of all places, and he was looking at a, a grave that had been dug for somebody who'd passed away. And he said, What a wretched, you know, despicable place this is. And the Prophet said, why are you saying this is, this is, this is what it is? And the person said, because this is Madinatul Nawara, how can you say it's despicable? Mm. And, the Prophet, and the person said, well, what I meant is that if you die not fighting the path of God, and as being a shaheed, then what's the, what's the point? In other words, you just died in your bed, like you, you died of illness or you died in hospital, mm. or died of natural causes. And the Prophet focused him and said, look, your idea of what is 
martyrdom and, 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 a, and a beautiful death is not the idea that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has of a beautiful death. Because everybody thinks to fight in, in, in a specific way is the highest uh, attainable quality of, of death, but it's not. So the Prophet said that he himself um, prayed for his, his resting place to be in Madinat in, in, in Munawwara. And even Umar radiallahu anhu himself, it's related that he would ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Shihada fi sabilik. He used to make this dua constantly Related by all the scholars of hadith He would say oh Allah make Allow me to have a death in, in your way As shaheed And also allow me to um, die in the, in the city of your prophet And if you think of when he was doing this dua He's talking when, at the time when Umar has conquered the Persians So he for, first of all he conquered the Romans Six months later he sends an army to the Persians Conquers the Persians The two biggest empires on the face of this earth and there, this means that the city of Medina is safe. And if there's any place on the earth that you would think that nobody, no one would be killed as a shaheed, it's Medina Munawwara. And he kept asking this dua that oh Allah allow me to die in a state of shahada in the city of the Prophet. It's not a possible thing to happen, but what happened is Allah created the means by which that happened. He was martyred in the prayer in Fajr in the mosque of the Prophet. Now that meant that he. he he was attuned to what the Prophet felt to be good and what he felt to be pure. And this is, in fact, one of the things the Prophet comes with is he, what our ideas of goodness and badness is, or what, what's, what's a godly path and what's not a godly path, is always explained by the Prophet in a way that we don't always think it to be the case. So when you have uh, Uthman ibn Madhu'un, the, the companion of the Prophet who passed away in Madinat Munawwara, the first companion that passed away peacefully in the city, Omar, when he was at his grave and, and his, uh, after his burial, he was looking and thinking, I thought he was a great person. Mm. I thought he was a great man, and he, I thought he would have died as a martyr. And then he said, Omar says about himself, that he, he always, after that point, he belittled with Madam ibn Mad'un, because he always esteemed him and felt he was one of the closest people to God and one of the most pious of the companions. When he died naturally, Omar, what do you say? He thought, this guy can't be that great, because mm. he died just on his bed, mm. sickness. <laughs> And he didn't realize that what he thinks is a great death is not a great death. Because he realized that when the Prophet passed away, the Prophet passed away in his own bed, Ali Salatu mm. passed away from this life, and then he realized how, how unfortunate he was in making a judgment about Uthman ibn Mad'un. And we know Uthman ibn Mad'un only in passing because he didn't live to the death of the Prophet. What's said about him is that he, if he had remained, he would have been one of the Khulafa al Rashidin. Mm. He would have been one of the, the khulafa that would have been chosen from the companions of the Prophet. And when he saw that, he, that's when he realized that what majesty is and, and, and priority is, is, is something that's subjected to us, but it's not something that is upheld by the Prophet or the, or the, or the Quranic edicts. So Al Aqib is the one that comes right at the end and is the final prophet, the final prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, mm. who mm. sets the seal on. Every judgment that you can make, you have and to. And this concept is part of a creed, final prophet, and it is important to know. So we'll come to I mean, that. That comes up as 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 Muslims. This is a, a belief that I don't believe ever has been quite in Islamic creed. There's always things that are brought up and discussed. Yeah. The idea that the Prophet is is not the final prophet of God, uh, in terms of 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 conveying guidance from God and receiving revelation, has never been. I don't think has been. Despite the fact that I've read, you know, extensively on, on the topic in classical period, never, never heard of anybody denying the fact that um, prophecy um, has come to an end. 
But what we do know is that which is different hadith and mentioned different portions of prophecy being in a, a pure um, pure dream which is a portion of prophecy mm-hmm. so up to a 40th of, of prophecy according to different narrations but that is almost like a, a shadow of of inspiration that every believer gets like firasa that a person gets insight oh. spiritual insight a person gets but this name al-aqib is mentioned and also khatim and Khatam, which will come up later, mm-hmm. these are names of the Prophet Sallallahu Muhammad and Aba Ahadim Rajalikum Rasulullah wa Khatam and Nabiin wa Khatim and Nabiin. There's two narrations to the recitation of that or two riwayat that Muhammad is not the son of the father of any son amongst you, but rather he is the Prophet, the Messenger of God, and the seal or the final Prophet. So mm-hmm. that's the Quranic mm-hmm. text mm-hmm. and the Hadith of Al Bukhari. Uh, in which he mentions Prophet says I am the final prophet and there's no prophet after me Ibn Kathir mentions it as a mutawatir text so it means that it's almost known by children by everybody that knows anything about Islam will know that their basic idea is the finality of the Prophet so that is mentioned in this pivotal hadith in which the names of Muhammad Ahmad Mahi uh, Al-Hashir and no. the one we just talked about now is um, Al-Aqib All these names are in this one hadith So these are collected and, and congregated in one hadith Other hadith mention other names But it's interesting why these all, all these names specifically mentioned Hashir and Aqib specifically Because they indicate the finality of the Prophet And, the, and the, 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 the fact that he will be the magnet To whom everybody runs on the Day of Judgment hmm. And it actually goes back to the first name Which is Muhammad because this community, the, the, the community of the Prophet is a community of Hamd. When we, when we start, when you give, when I do a nikah, I say Alhamdulillah. When I do Jumu'ah, I say Alhamdulillah. When I'm ill, I say Alhamdulillah. When I'm sick, I say Alhamdulillah. Ala kulli hal, every single thing is Hamd. Hmm. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. Our community is a community of Hamd. And we will know that on the Day of Judgment when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives the Prophet the liwa alhamd yawm al qiyamati. The Prophet said, uh, There's no Prophet after me. And I said, Walad Bani Adam, Walla Fakhr, I am the, the master of the children of, of Adam, without boasting. In my hand will be the, the banner or, or the, yeah, the banner of, of, of praise of God in, without any boasting. Mm-hmm. So that is, you take it all the way back to, to the, all the way, all the way into the future to the Hashar, which is the day of judgment. Then we will see Muhammad. With this banner And everybody will congregate around the Prophet And he will be the final um, Prophet So all these names this These hadith actually congregate these hadith Into one simple meaning But it goes from Aqi which is a final name To Muhammad which is a first name And it actually is like a circle that goes full circle It goes from saying he's Muhammad To saying he's the final Prophet Which will prove that he is Muhammad And that is a, the beauty of the prophetic teach. Speech is such That even though we don't see we don't see the the connection between the names as they're mentioned, but they're actually a fantastic connection between them. Which is that he's Muhammad as we know him. And if you know him now, then know that he was before this Ahmad. And when he comes, he wants to raise um, disbelief in God. And as he does that, he will be the person around whom everybody is gathered in the Day of Judgment. And because of that, he is Al-Aqib, the final prophet. And when he is the final prophet, people realize that he is Muhammad, the praiseworthy one. So he's Muhammad, Muhammad, he's Ahmad. He is Mahi, he is Hashir, and he is Aqib, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam.
For more information and to listen to more podcasts, visit us at arc.score or check out the Arc Media app.